0: Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, by Pastor John Rasmussen. Friends, would you uh, please pray with me as we prepare to hear God's word? Gracious God, as we we come before you for this moment of hearing your word, we acknowledge before you in humility that apart from your Holy Spirit, uh, your word will fall on deaf ears and upon hard hearts. And Lord, in humility, we recognize that with your spirit, that your word falls on good soil, open hearts, open minds. And so, Lord, we ask you that the same Holy Spirit that was given at Pentecost, the same Holy Spirit that inspired these words we're about to read and that I'm about to preach on, would give to us the gift of faith for this gospel that we hear is the power of God to salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, uh, go ahead and grab your Romans journal. If you uh, came in a little late and you missed the memo, uh, just uh, grab one of these uh, right in front of you. If you don't have one in front of you, look down the aisle or maybe behind you. Uh, we want everybody to have one of these Romans journals as we begin our series. Go ahead and, if you've got a writing utensil, just go ahead and put your name in it. Uh, that's a good way to own something is just write your name in it uh, so it's yours. Keep it. Hold on to it. And uh, be aware, too, of the bookmark that this will lay out our readings as we walk through Romans uh, in the following weeks and months. And so let's read the text together, just a word about how we're going to do our scripture readings during this series. We will have uh, two readings uh, read beforehand, our Old Testament and Gospel reading. These readings are picked out specifically to correlate with our reading from Romans. And then uh, we'll read the text uh, each Sunday right before the sermon. So we'll have it fresh in the mind as, as I preach it. So uh, we are in Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 1. So today, we're talking about the gospel of God, which is what Romans is all about. And as we begin today, as you hold this letter in your hands, what I want you to know is that this letter of Paul to the Romans that you hold in your hands is one of the most important things that has ever been written. Because in these words, we have the gospel of God, which Paul calls the power of God for salvation, meaning that in this letter, we have the very words that have saved people eternally and changed their lives here in time. That's powerful, right? That's the power of what is written in this letter. In fact, as we look through the history of the church, we we see just a couple examples of how this gospel of God made a profound impact on people's lives in this letter. Uh, So St. Augustine, for example, he lived in the 4th and the 5th century, uh, arguably one of the most influential theologians in the Western church. Uh, He reports that he was converted to Jesus Christ as he was reading a passage, just a couple verses from Romans chapter 13. Or Martin Luther, who you're maybe a little more familiar with, uh, reports that it was while he was studying Romans that he had the experience of feeling as if he had been entirely born again because he received the gospel with clarity as he studied Romans. He, he recognized and saw the grace of God for sinners, the God who by his righteousness makes us righteous and welcomes us into his family. That's what Luther experienced as he read and studied uh, actually the text we're gonna take a look at next week, Romans 1, 16 through 17. In fact, we could say that this letter sparked the reformation of the church. And so we can also say that our church, Holy Cross Lutheran Church, in some respects, owes its existence to this letter because we are a church church that's in the line of the Reformation's heritage, right? This gospel is powerful in this letter, and so that is why we're giving our attention to it, so that we as a congregation would be grounded in the good news of Christ and how it shapes our lives. So the first thing I want to do is take a look at verse 1. I want you to see here uh, in verse 1 this phrase, the gospel of God. Let's just read verse 1 together. Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. I want you just to underline or circle uh, those three words, the gospel of God, because friends, that is what all of Romans is about. That word gospel means, maybe write this over in the notes because it's good to remember this, the whole letter. Gospel means good news. That's all it means. The gospel means good news. It means a pronouncement of victory. For example, if you uh, were alive in, in 1945 and you heard the good news that the war was ended, that's a gospel. It's not something you did. It's something you hear and you rejoice in. The gospel. It's a message of victory declared to us. And that's what Romans is all about, the gospel of God. Now, this gospel of God has been proclaimed by Paul, who is an apostle. Paul's the one who writes to the Romans. Uh, He is an apostle, one who declares the good news. Uh, He's been set apart by God to make this good news, this proclamation of victory known to the whole entire world both Jew and Gentile. Now, as we think about this gospel of God, I want you to think of it this way. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers in the 1990s, for example, on TV, do you remember a publisher's clearinghouse? I don't know if this is even a thing anymore, but I just remember vividly as a child sitting and watching TV and seeing, you know, where people would show up to somebody's house, knock on the door, and say, are you Mrs. So-and-so? here's a cardboard check for a million dollars. And there's, of course, tears and joy and elation. Um, I always thought as a kid, I'm like, when's that gonna happen to me? (laughs) Um, Now, I want you to imagine the gospel of God as an announcement very much like that. Now, imagine that you are a person who is living in poverty, a person who's maybe foreclosing on your home, a person who is, you know, three or four bills behind on your your utilities. Maybe you're a person who's just, you know, flat broke and about to be homeless. How would you experience that message of good news if that showed up on your doorstep? That is what the gospel of God is. It's, it's the good news that God has given his son for us and brought forgiveness into our lives, that he has acquitted us who are sinners, and actually we who are sinners are declared righteous because of what Christ has done, and we are given the gift of life instead of the death we deserve. That's the gospel. It's good news. It's spoken into our poverty, into our sin, into our brokenness, the gospel comes. It's not anything that we do. It's a pronouncement of victory given to us that we believe by faith, and it changes everything. Now the gospel's simple. I want you to know this. The gospel's simple. It's simple enough that a five-year-old can hear it, believe it and understand it. that Christ died for our sins and he was raised from the dead, and that all who place their faith in him have that life and that forgiveness. It's simple. But the impact that the gospel makes on your life is not simple, it's actually really profound. There's a lot of dots that need to be connected once you hear this gospel and believe it. Just like if somebody showed up to your house and gave you the announcement that you are the recipient of $1 million, no strings attached, that's a simple message, but you've got some dots to connect, right? Like, how does this impact my life tomorrow and next year, How do I live in the freedom of this gift and the possibilities opened up by it? But how do I also live with responsibility as I've received this gift? You see, there's a lot of dots to be connected. And in the same way, when you hear that gospel of God and you believe it and you are saved, there are a whole lot of dots that need to be connected. Like, for example, we need to go back and ask, why do we even need this gospel in the first place? That's Romans chapter 1 and 2. We've all fallen into sin and idolatry, and that we have been—we've fallen away from that image of God that we've been called to live in. How do we receive this gospel? What is this gospel? Well, we're told in chapters three that it's a gospel that is about the death of God's son, and also his resurrection. And we receive it through faith, not by our works. What gospel what difference does this gospel make in our life right now in the here and now as we wait for its fulfillment in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting? Well, it means we're in a struggle, a struggle with sin. Paul talks about that in chapters six and seven. It means that we're living in hope, we're yearning for the restoration of creation, and the healing of everything, our bodies included. See, the gospel has, there's a lot of dots that need to be connected for us about how this gospel impacts how you live and speak and act and hope. Not only that, the gospel is going to provoke questions, like, for example, in chapter 9, Paul addresses the question of, why do some people receive this gospel and other people reject it? Or, for example, what difference does this gospel make in my daily life as a father, a mother, a husband, a neighbor, a worker? Or in chapter 13, what difference does this gospel make in my relationship to the government and being a citizen? Or in chapters 14 and 15, what difference does this gospel make in my life when we experience conflict or division in the church, especially when people from different races or cultures or backgrounds come together into one church? Or in chapters 15 and 16, how do we take this gospel to the ends of the earth? You see, there's a lot of questions created by this simple gospel, and that's why we're going through Romans. All 16 chapters are gonna help us connect the dots about how this gospel of God makes a difference in our lives. Now, here in the very short text that we have today, Paul is already starting to connect the dots, or at least he's getting us familiar with the terminology and the language he's gonna use later. It's kind of like in the the greeting of the letter, Paul's giving us some hors d'oeuvres a taste, before he takes us on to the main course that will lie ahead of us in the following chapters. And so I just want to point out four things briefly uh, about this gospel of God. The first thing is this. Look with me at verse 2. Let's read verse 2 together. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. I want you to underline that word promised and then also holy scriptures. So, what Paul's telling you and me here is that this gospel of God didn't come out of nowhere. It's not ahistorical, meaning that it's not rooted in history. It is a gospel that takes place and unfolds in history, and it's in the Old Testament in the prophets that we get that history unfolded for us. You know, some people, uh, Christians even, may want to discount the Old Testament and say, we don't really need the Old Testament. It's old, Right? And there's a lot of stories in there about things that we don't understand, right? And there are things in that Old Testament that don't apply to us as Christians anymore. So maybe we just don't need the Old Testament, but that's, that's not right. That's wrong. Uh, a Christian without the Old Testament is a Christian who's missing the backstory of the gospel, the backstory of their salvation, because there's a lot of backstory that you need to know if you're going to understand the depths of this gospel of God, right? Right? So, for example, we need to hear the backstory from Genesis about God creating us in His image and then the backstory of us falling away from God's plan for us and us uh, falling into rebellion and slavery to sin, but then also we need to hear the backstory of God pronouncing the gospel ahead of time in choosing a man named Abraham and his wife Sarah and creating a nation out of them called Israel, and it's through that nation that God will bring to us the promise of the gospel of God. That's what our Old Testament reads reading was all about today, a promise made to King David about one of his descendants who is Christ. We need that Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament is, we could say the Old Testament is the womb in which the gospel of God is brought to full term. The Old Testament gives birth to the new and we need it. And Paul's reminding us that this gospel of God, that he will Uh, reveal to us in great depth was foretold. It's from the holy scriptures of what is now called the Old Testament. And that's why in this letter you will see that Paul will time and time again quote the Old Testament and refer to its characters and its stories as he supports um, his claims about the gospel. The next thing I want you to see is this. Uh, Circle this with me in verse 3, concerning his son concerning his son. This gospel of God is all about God's son, Jesus Christ. Now, this might seem obvious, but it's worth saying, is that the gospel of God is about God's son, Jesus Christ, and apart from Christ, there's no gospel. There's no good news. You see, it's the gospel that has the power to save. No political program, no ideology, no hard work of ours, even keeping the commandments, none of that has the power to save. Your moral effort doesn't have the power to save. It's the gospel of God's Son. The gospel's all about Jesus Christ. Any gospel that's not about Jesus or only is a little bit about Jesus or is in place of Jesus is not the gospel. It's not good news. It might sound good. It might sound moral. It might sound encouraging. It might sound like something to help you in life, but if it's not about Jesus, it's not the gospel. Because the gospel is concerning God's son. God's son, who Paul tells us, was born, descended from David according to the flesh. He's truly man, right? A human being like you and me. And yet also truly God, raised from the dead and declared to be the son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. The theologian John Stott once said that Christianity is about Christ and anything that's not about Christ is not Christianity. The gospel is all about God's son. God's son. And so Paul is going to take all 16 chapters of this letter to trace out in detail the beauty of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. In other words, who Jesus is and what he's done. This is the gospel of God concerning his son. The next thing I want you to see is that this gospel is for everyone, every nation, tribe, and tongue. Let's read uh, together verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. There's Two things I want you to underline here. The first thing is underline that little phrase, the obedience of faith. We'll talk about what that means in just a second, but it's very important for the whole letter. And then also, I want you to underline those last couple words, among all the nations. You see, it's through the obedience of faith that God will take over the world. It's through the obedience of faith that God will conquer the nations. You see, it's not through violence or coercion or force that God takes over the world. It's through the obedience of faith, which means really that God wins hearts over to the gentle authority of Jesus. We read about this in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, and we see that reference to all nations and also that obedience there. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the way God takes over the world, one person at a time, bringing our hearts under the gentle, good authority of Jesus Christ through the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith means an obedience to God's commandments that's motivated by faith that flows from a relationship of trust in God's promises. Paul will go on in Romans very clearly to say that we are not saved through our obedience to God's commandments. In fact, God's commandments really just show us the problem, right, that we're broken and we need salvation. But we will find ourselves obeying God's commandments because we're saved by grace through faith in the gospel of God. You see, we are saved by grace through faith in the good news of the gospel, not by our works. But it's also by grace and through faith that we learn to obey God's commandments. That's why Paul calls it the obedience of faith and obedience that flows from faith. You see, some people might try to obey God out of fear or they might obey God out of coercion or they might obey God because they just have to and they'd rather not if they could not obey him and get away with it. But here is a different kind of obedience, the obedience of faith, which means that we obey God because we trust his promise of the good news. It's an entirely different way to obey. We call this the new obedience uh, for Christians. That'll be a major theme in Paul's letter. The final thing I want you to see in this introduction to the letter is this. Let's read together verse 6 including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I want you to circle those first two words, including you, and you might even need to write next to it, me, and maybe even, yes, even me, even me, Pastor John, even you, even us. This gospel of God that is declared in great detail in Romans is not just some letter that Paul wrote a long time ago to some Christians in a place called Rome. It's actually a letter that is inspired by the Holy Spirit and included in our scriptures for you. This gospel of God is personal. God's desire is that you would know this gospel by heart. You know, I've got, um, I've got a, a Macintosh computer, you know, one of those, uh, it's, I, I can't even remember what kind it is. I just know it's uh, one of those kind of razor thin laptop things. And here's the thing is that I do the internet email and word processing on it. There's like a thousand other things I could do with that computer. If I would be patient and take the time to learn how to use it, that's kind of what Romans is. You know, sometimes you might be operating just on email and word processing when it comes to understanding your salvation you've been given in Christ, the gospel of God. Wouldn't it be good to enter into a fuller understanding of what God's given you in Christ to use, like, all the features? Uh, That's what Romans is. It's recognizing that this gospel of God is for you, and that has profound implications. This gospel is for you, you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. What could be more beautiful than that? This gospel is for you who are individually called out by God and loved by him, given grace and peace. Maybe some of you have the experience of reading letters uh, from maybe, maybe somebody who's now your spouse. Um, You know, when I was uh, dating my wife, we would write back and forth. We were living in different states, and so we'd write letters back and forth. And and I have those letters at home, and, and I keep them. I treasure them. I hold on to them. When I got a letter from my now wife during that time that we were dating, I tell you what, I was a scholar of those letters. Like, I would read them word for word. I'd decipher the meaning. I'd read them again. They were a source of comfort. If you receive a letter from somebody that loves you, aren't you going to do the same? That's what this letter is. This letter of Paul to the Romans is really like a letter of love from God to you because he's declaring the great profound love he has for you in each of its words. And so wouldn't we do well to treat this like a love letter? Don't just lay it aside and let dust collect on it. Don't leave it here take it with you and study it and learn it and know it. And maybe you'll run into some things that are confusing, that you don't understand. That's why we're preaching through the whole thing, right? Um, Hold on to this letter and treasure it because it is God's message of love for you individually. And it has the power of God for your salvation and mine. It has the power of God for our forgiveness, for our healing. It has the power of God to give us strength for the present and hope for the future. And so friends, let's Let's hold on to these words. Let's study them well. Let's consume them. Inwardly digest them because they are good words, powerful words. Amen.